is the Big Church Podcast. Everybody doing good this morning? Well, in about 30 minutes, I'm going to ask you to do something that you normally don't do in church. But listen, I have, this is not the message. This is not the message that I had proclaimed I was going to preach on Monday. This is something that God stirred in me this week. I watched a video and it got me all fired up about, man, this is the time. This is who God has called us to be in such a time as this. And you know, this morning, I kind of want to be the coach. I kind of want to be that guy to pull you in and say, hey, hey, the game is about to start and you've been sitting on the sidelines for too long. And, I, and I'm calling you out to this morning. I'm calling all of God's people out to say that, man, we've been sitting too long. God says, get off of the sidelines and it's time to get into the game. Can I just tell you, we've not ever seen the things that are happening in our world as they are today. We are not, we've not seen the things that are lining up with what the word of God is saying. And I believe this today, that God is choosing us for this time. Come on. If you're one of the chosen, you need to be more fired up than that. God is choosing you for this time. The title of my message is, This is Our Time. I'm going to tell you a story, and this is a, a book of the Bible that doesn't get preached a lot, but uh, it's, it's a great story in the book of Esther. And what happened, to give you a little backstory here, Israel was in captivity, and they were carried off into Babylon, and they were under a Persian king. And one day the king came in, and I'm just going to tell you the story. He came in, and he wanted to show off everything he had to everybody. So he threw a big party. And he was showing off his riches and everything. But he came, and at the end of that, they ended up getting into this big drunken party. All the guys, everybody, anybody ever been in that one? Y'all are saints in here. Get your halo off your horns. Here we go. He, so he got a drunken party, and he, he wanted his beautiful wife to come. So what, you know what he was wanting to do? He was wanting to show her off to everybody because she was hot. Maybe I shouldn't say that in church, but here we go. But when he sent for her, she wouldn't come because probably in her mind, she's thinking, oh my goodness, he, they're all a bunch of drunk guys out there and what does he want me to come? So she wouldn't come. Well, that really made the king mad. So he, he, he decided that he was gonna dethrone her, right, at that moment. It, no, let me tell you. The guy started saying, are you gonna let her get away with that? Are you gonna let her, he, you called for her, she didn't come to you, she didn't submit when you told her to submit? Oh my goodness, y'all are... Y'all don't get that. We need to read your Bible more. Here we go. But we look, he, he calls her, calls in, and she wouldn't come, so he gets really mad. And then he says, okay, I'm going to dethrone you. Then the rest of them said, why don't we just bring all of the pretty girls from the kingdom, why don't we just bring them all in, we're going to have a beauty contest. And then what we're going to do in this contest is we are going to find you a new queen. Now, come on. What king wouldn't want to say, come on, bring all the girls in. Yeah, let me look at it. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, you guys don't. You, all, you, don't, you forgot your college days, didn't you? But he says, he says, bring them all in. So when they brought them in, here was this young lady. She was a Jew. She was a slave. And she was an orphan. She had all of the things against her compared to everybody else in there. Let me just tell you, God can use your story for his glory. You, you, you may think it's over. You may think that, that I've got all of these things against you, against you, but I'm telling you, God is not done with you yet, because look at him. Esther 2.8 says this. So it was when the king's command and decree was heard 
that when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace, unto the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained favor in his eyes. She was, he readily gave her beauty preparations to her besides the allowance. She got more than all the rest of the girls got. Then seven choice maidens were provided for her in the king's palace. And he moved her and the maidens to the best place in the house. Listen, here's a girl that went from the lowest to the best place in the house. All because God had favor upon her. Verse 12. Each young woman's turn came to go into the king. And after she had completed 12, 12 months of preparation, according to the regulations for the women, for thus there were days of preparation they made them go through a year of preparation. I'm not reading the rest of it. They got them all dolled up on perfume and they, they soaked them in bath so they could present them to the king. But what is, pre is preparation important? There, that was some serious preparation time. It wasn't that. Not only could they not go before the king, they had one year to get themselves all cleaned up. But preparation is one thing that God uses to make you ready for the job that he has for you. It took Moses 40 years in the wilderness to get Egypt out of him. It took David. David was appointed king when he was 12 or 13 years old, but he didn't take over the palace until he was 30. There was preparation time that he had to have in the pasture. And there was Jesus, 30 years of silence, but three and a half years of power. There is something to say about preparation. You got to get around the best people in times of growth and preparation. She surrounded herself with seven of the uh, seven of the best maidservants. Seven choice maidens. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you hanging out with negative Nancy? Oh, sorry Nancy, I didn't mean to get on you. But are you hanging out with, uh, with those negative people that are not good in your life? Or are you hanging out with the positive people that are speaking life into you? Are you hanging out with everyone who's always depressed? Or you need to grab around someone who's joyful around? You don't, you are who you hang with. Come on, show me. I'm not saying it, here we go. Preparation is also showing up and serving faithfully. I should get an amen on that one right there. In this church, preparation for where God wants to take you to, it might mean you mop the floors. It might mean that you straighten the chairs. It may mean to do the things that you don't really want to do. But in that thing, God is using you and he's preparing you to take you to another place. We had some serious prep time. We got to take our prep time serious. We got to bathe ourselves. We got to clean ourselves up. We got to be soaked and saturated in the things of God. Why? Because we're being prepared to be presented to the king. If we're not ready, if we don't smell good, if we don't look good, and we don't act good, the king's not going to be pleased with us. So sometimes we have to take that extra time to be prepared. Let's look at verse 15. Wow, I'm sweating. And when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abilah, the uncle of Mordecai, who had been taken as a daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what the eunuch had told her to get. The custodian of the women advised that Esther obtained favor in the sight of all, all who saw her. She didn't act the best. She didn't have to act out and be the best. There was something different for her. She didn't have to take a selfie and self-promote herself. 
She didn't have to get on Instagram and Facebook and say, what an awesome person I am. Will you give me a poll and tell me how good I am? She didn't have to do any of that stuff. No self-promotion, no selfies, and she didn't dress like the rest of the girls. Come on. She didn't have to have all that to be that because she had God on her side. Confidence in who you are, and you need to be just the person that God made you, nobody else. The keeper, knew, listen, 1 Peter 5, 6, and Ashley did this last week. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you in due time. The keeper knew what the king liked. She had the inside scoop because Haggai, the keeper, knew that the king liked this and he liked that. And I could just imagine, he probably said, hey, girls, y'all go on. You all dress that way. King don't like that one. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. He knew it. He knew the right clothes for her to wear. He knew the right fragrance for her to get. So if you put yourself in the right place, God will show you favor all the way around. That's better than you all are clapping. Okay. Listen to wise counsel. You don't know everything. He listened. She listened to what he had to say. Humility and obedience will take you places and it will put you in palaces. It'll take you places and it'll put you in palaces. She had no right to be there, but because she was humble and because she was obedient, it took her to place. He chose her as the queen. Least likely to succeed. I was probably that guy in high school. But Esther was made queen. So Mordecai comes one day and he tells the king, he was standing outside. I'm giving you, the, this is the book of Esther, like nine chapters. You're getting the condensed ver version in 30 minutes. But Mordecai, her uncle, comes and he tells Esther that he heard two guys outside of the gate saying they wanted to assassinate the king. They wanted to kill him. So he went and told Esther. She went and told them. And he found out and they hung both of those guys. And what they did is when, after they hung it, they chronicled his name. Didn't do no accolades, but they put him down in the book. Then this guy named Haman comes to, comes to power. And he's the king's right-hand man. He's evil. And morning, one day Haman came around and he, he always wanted everybody to bow to him. And he walked around all proud. And, and one day he was walking at the gates and, and he looked down and, and the guys were saying, Hey, that guy there, Mordecai, her uncle, he's not bowing to you. The more that he walked, the less Mordecai bowed. And then he was very, very mad after that. He said, okay, I'm going to do something. He sent out a decree to the king. He said, Mordecai is a Jew, so let's have them all killed. Sometimes what you do affects everyone else, good or bad. So he says, okay, I want, I'm going to kill, kill all of the Jews. So let's look at ch uh, chapter 3, verse 13. And the letters were sent by courier to all the king's providence to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate. It means utterly destroy all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women in one day. On the 13th, he picked the day. On the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. The enemy always wants to try to intimidate you. He didn't say, I'm going to kill you today. I'm going to kill you 11 months from now. Don't... Uh, Joyce Meyer calls it evil foreboding. You know what I mean? You're always thinking about this is going to happen in the future. He got the, he's trying to set up fear in them by telling them not today or you're going to die, but 11 months from now. He's always trying to, to, to intimidate you. But listen, God delayed his answer to bring his people back to him. Why? Because some of them had gotten comfortable in their captivity. 
Some of them were carried away and they were happy where they were at and things were going okay. We got food, we got water. They'd become familiar with the world that they were living in. They'd been there 70 years and it was easier to stay, but some of them had gone back to try to rebuild, but some said it's easier to stay where it is. But what happens when you, when you stay? You get ingrained into the culture. You start sleeping with the enemy and you won't like the... When you start hanging and you start being and you start going, you end up being that. We don't like to change. Change is often necessary. The enemy will keep you a slave. He'll keep you a slave to sin. He'll keep you a slave to your addictions. He'll keep you a slave to anything that you have out there that's against contrary to what God wants. But Galatians 4, 7 says this. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, listen, but a son. And if a son, you're an heir to God. You're no longer a slave, you're a son. You've been adopted into a new family. So Mordecai sends the word to Esther. She didn't even know about it. He said, well, they're going to kill us all unless you do something about it. She says, I can't do anything about it. So in verse 4, 13, it says this. Well, my voice is already going. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. This is his message back to Esther when she said she couldn't do it. Do you think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than the rest of these Jews? Can I just tell you all something? Christians are the most persecuted religion on the face of the earth right now. Since 2005, 900,000 have been killed. There's nine per minute. So the hour that we're in here, there's going to be six people persecuted for their faith. Many of those thousands are beaten and are also in prison. But we're able to sit here and worship as we please. Kind of like Esther, you know, we, she was safe inside the palace. And she wasn't fully aware what was happening outside of the walls. You can't pretend it's not happening or it's not going to happen. you got to get your head out of the sand because God has said the number one tool of the enemy is apathy. You know what apathy is? It's lack of interest. It doesn't concern me. It's not affecting me. She couldn't ignore the obvious that she was a Jew and that she could not escape the thoughts that I could have done something more about it. It started haunting her, thinking, you know, I've got to make this decision. Verse 14, he's saying this. For if you remain completely silent, talking to Esther, at this time of relief and deliverance, this time of relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. He said, Esther, if you remain silent, you... Esther is reminded of the danger of silence. The world and its system is speaking out so loudly right now. Our values are under attack. Our belief system is unclear. Right and wrong, good or bad, morality is subjective. Come on, that's the world that we live in today right now. It's based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or my opinion. I got, no, I got news for you. Our families are under attack. The traditional family is under fire, and family values have been challenged all over the place. The sad truth is this. We as Christians, we're the majority, but we're doing very little outside to tell about Jesus and how good he is. We are content to sit in our houses and shake our heads at the direction our nation is going in. And we, 
We shake our heads and we go, wow, I wish we could do something. Then I'm going to tell you something. Get out and vote one way or the other. I ain't up here pushing nothing. I'm telling you, if you want to make a change, and get out and be the change. We are content to sit in church and say amen and so good to the sermon, but we do very little outside of the walls of the church to let it be a witness who Jesus is. Oh, it's our time. You got to let our voices be heard. Why? Your family, your friends, your school, your city, they hang in the balance. I know this is pretty heavy this morning, isn't it? It was heavy all this week. You cannot keep your mouth shut. We got to cancel culture before culture cancels us. We got all this cancel culture going on. We got to cancel culture before it tries to cancel us. There is something that we can do about it. We are given divine moments to alter the circumstances of life. As believers, there are no such thing as accidents or coincidences. God has perfect timing. Esther's divine uh, moment came when she had a choice. She had a choice to accept her responsibility to go to the king. If the church continues to hold its peace in these times, we are going to decline. I'll make my own music. If we don't do something about it, nobody else is going to do it. Oh, my gosh. If the church continues to hold our peace in these times, we are going to decline. Mordecai was clear to Esther, you could be the one who saves your people. Or not. Or not. You know what happens? He gave her a choice. She could be that person. God is very clear to us. His hands are not tied. He's not up there scratching his head and wondering what COVID is and the way the world is today. His hands are tied, and he will find another way to make himself known if it ain't through you. God is not dependent upon you, but he wants to use you. Come on. He called us co-laborers. He told us to come right along with him. The question is this. Will you miss the opportunity? There's a difference between being available and talented. So many talented people get this, but God is looking for available people. He's looking for someone, yeah, Yes, I say yes to you, God. I say yes to you. I might not be able to sing as good as these guys. I might not be able to preach as good as I may not be that. But God says, I want some availability where you can spread the word of God. Verse 14, back at 14. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Here's what Esther had to do. She had to decide to take a risk. If you're going to be used, you have to take a chance and you've got to step out into your calling. Do it afraid sometimes. I can't talk to people like that. Ashley said, I, I can't. I, what? Sometimes you just got to do it afraid. Sometimes you got to let fear go to the back and say, God, I'm, I'm allowing you to speak through me. I don't know what I'm about to say. That's my trouble all the time. I don't know what I'm about to say sometimes. But God said, I'll use you. Be uncomfortable. She had to trust God. Look at verse 16. I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. We got God's laws and we got man's laws. We may have to face some serious stuff and we can't neglect our duty when we face it though. We have been positioned, we've been brought up, we've been put in the right place for such a time as this. Here's some lessons we can learn from Esther. When you're going through difficult times, wait for the Lord before you take action. 
how many times I got a plan? God's like, okay, let me hear it. And half the time, it doesn't even, doesn't even pertain to God. He's up, there, he's up there going, go on about your plan. About halfway through it, I'm going to do something to disrupt it. He prepared her, and he gave her every tool that she was going to need for the time that she was in. When making decisions, you got to seek his wisdom. It says she fasted. Not only did she fast, she asked everybody else to fast with her. Then she prayed. She prayed to the God who could change things in her life. When working through unpleasant situations, trust God for patience. Patience is a big one. Her obedience and her courage gave her favor with the king. But here's the good thing about God. He had already set it all up in advance. He already knew what was going to happen. But what happened was, is Haman, the evil guy, got found out. And the word that came to me is what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for the good. Haman had made some gallows that he was going to hang Mordecai on. Guess what happened to Haman? He got hung on those same gallows. What the enemy meant for good, God is going to turn it around. Evil, God's going to turn around for the good. Don't you imagine that walk he took thinking, man, my goodness, this is something that I meant to kill everyone with. And yet, I'm going to face that in my own life. So listen to me. This is our time of great power. Acts 2.17 says this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. This is our time of great harvest. Luke 10:2 says this. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. You guys, I'm looking at the laborers right here. This is our time of great people. Isaiah 6, 8 says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? God is talking right now. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And he stood up and said, here am I, send me. She was born with a purpose. It wasn't just a queen thing. She was born to do something great. We all have a role to play. So I'm gonna ask you if you would to stand with me. Right, no, leave them lights on. I want to see everybody's face. This is our time right here. And I'm about to get you fired up to get into the game. I am the one. You have to be the one that brings God to this world. Because if you don't do it, someone else will do it. Or someone may not do it. You got to say this is the place. God has made you for a reason and for a season. You also have to say, now is the time. God has created you for such a time as this. Stop living in your comfort zone. Take courage and step out. Listen to me. Come on, come on. It's time we stand up for what's right. It's time we squared our shoulders and got out of the corner we've been backed into. It's time to grab our weapon, which is the Word of God. It's time to use the sword of the Spirit, which is our shield. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to repeat this. Say, I am the one. This is the time. Now is the time. This is the place. 
Let me just tell you what we're about to do. We're about to sing a song. And, we're, and if you, I would like for you to join me around the front of this church. And I, we're doing it in unity to know that God has raised us for such a time as this. And when we stand together, there's nothing that we can't do. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is your time. It's time to join Team Jesus because he needs all of the players that he can get. So I'm asking if you don't have that relationship with him, you just ask God to come into your heart and to your mind and to your soul and forgive you of your sins. But if you do, this is our time. Come on, this is our time. Oh my goodness, you're not gonna win the game put it that way. This is our time. We are rising up for such a time as this. So I'm gonna pray over you. And as you all come forward, come on. I'm gonna pray, Lord, right now, this is our time. Oh, come on, Lord, this is our time. This is our time. God, I pray right now over your people. I pray, God, that you would give us a unity like we've never seen before. God, you are doing something in this place. And we ask you, God, right now to do it in us. Don't let it push off to someone else. God, let us be the catalyst of change. Let us be the person that needs to be. Father, we come to you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's get together. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.